Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Guys, as we continue our verse-by-verse study through 2 Corinthians, I want to take a moment and remind you, if you will, so, so, so we can get, get in the right mindset. I want to remind you of the purpose of the letter, okay? Anytime you get a letter, you need to know why it's written. I mean, it's, it, it's really hard when we take stuff out of context. If you take a verse out of context, you can make it a pretext, and then, and then you can make it say anything you want it to say. So we, we need to understand why Paul wrote the letter. Well, we need to understand that the purpose of this letter initially is to express joy in the fact that the church, guys, had heard the Holy Spirit through Paul's letter. They heard the Holy Spirit, they repented, and then they sought to be reconciled back to Paul. Okay, and you go, well, I, well, I'm not sure. Well, okay, so what Paul does in the first seven chapters, guys, as we study, this would be a good place to put notes so you understand he's going to write to reconcile with this church, okay? And what Paul does is I think he has the heart of Christ, and I think it's the heart that we need to have. You go, what's that? He reminds them that he loves them and that he forgives them. And I think that's so important especially in our walks, especially in our day, how we need to remind people that we love them, that God loves them, and we forgive them, and we forgive them. This is what Paul does. But you go, Ben, 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 I have a question. So why is Paul writing a letter to reconcile with this church? Well, many people in this church had begun to oppose Paul's authority. They're like, ah, oh, we don't think he's an apostle. We don't think, ah, oh, we're not sure. Now, listen, as they begin to oppose his authority, what happens, guys, is the message seems to follow. If they start to oppose his authority and his integrity, well, then the message gets what? Diluted. Oh, well, that's, well if I can't believe he's an apostle, if I can't believe he's from God, then I don't know exactly. I don't think I really believe in the message. Well, what was the message? Well, the message is of utmost importance. It's the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. And I think about the good news, guys, and I, I try to saturate myself in God's good news. And you go, why? Because listen, here's what God did. He bankrupted heaven. You understand that? He bankrupted, he said, for me and you. He didn't just give it, oh, you know, Paul's all right. He's all right. You know, so I don't want to send my son for Paul. Maybe an angel. Could you go to? No, no, no. He said, I love Paul. And he sent his son to die. That's good news, isn't it? Not? <laughs> that's not only good. That's fabulous news. That's fantastic news. That's news that makes me want to sing. Why? Because guess what? Listen, I don't care how crazy the world is right now. I get to go to heaven. I get to go to heaven. I'm going to be with Jesus forever. I'm going to walk on streets of gold like this. I'm going to see you guys. I'm going to visit you at your mansion. I'm going to visit you. I'm going to come knocking at your door. Hey, got any food? Hey, what do you got to eat? Right? Maybe Joe will be smoking a brisket up there. I don't know. That'd be good. That'd be good. Yeah. Yeah. With some squash. <laughs> Joe's known as the squash guy. It's the gospel. 
The problem was, guys, is there was a lot of opposition in Corinth. And there was so much opposition that Paul made a painful, hurried visit to this church. He said, I got to go. I got to see what's going on. Something. And the problem is that the visit doesn't go up planned. Do you ever have that happen? Do you ever say, man, I'm going to go visit this real quick and nothing goes as planned? Well, that's exactly what happened to Paul. So what happens? He had to, he had to do something that really was painful. He had to personally address or call out rebellious people in the church. Now, this is not something that anybody wants to do. Hey, by the way. And he's calling people out, and it's really, really hurtful. So then he leaves there, and he writes a severe letter. We don't have this letter. Now, some may suggest that chapter 10 all the way to 13 is part of that letter. I don't know. It doesn't say. But it's a very painful letter to which Paul actually refers here in chapter 2, verse 4. Here's what he says. He says, I wrote that letter in great anguish. He says, with a troubled heart and many tears. Have you ever had to write a letter to where when you looked at it, it was full of all of your tears? That's a hurt. Paul hurt. You guys, I mean, sometimes we think these spiritual giants that they sit on their dead and they go, let me just tell you how. He was so brokenhearted because why? Listen, here's about he loves people. Paul loves people. And he knows that, God, listen, he knows where people can spend eternity without Jesus. I want to love people like that. I want to, I want to look, listen, I want to look past what I see, and I want to see them how Jesus sees them. That's how we should look at people. How does Jesus see you? He sees you victoriously. He sees you with love and but Ben, people are flawed. They make a lot of mistakes. I know, so do I. That's the whole point. That's why I want to see. Listen, my brother Adam, I know he's flawed. I know he's messed up. I know he has a lot of mistakes, but he knows I do too. This is why we're brothers, see? This is why we're brothers. And this is exactly, this is what he says. He says, man, listen, with many tears, he says, I didn't want to grieve you, but I wanted you to know how much I love you. This is what Paul writes to them. Oh, Lord, if we could have a heart like yours for people. Guys, when we go to the grocery store this week, take a moment to observe the hurting people around you. And some might be wearing a mask and some might not, but they're still hurting. We have to have the heart of Jesus if we're going to win people to Jesus. Listen, we can sit and debate the Bible all day long. We can theologically talk, but I want to win them to Jesus with the love that we have for them. And so Paul says, oh. So after some time, guys, most, not all, okay, they realized, oh, we blew it. They realized their arrogance. And they said, oh, we need to apologize to Paul. And their heart was broken, and so they wanted to reconcile back to Paul. You guys with me? Now, you go, well, Ben, what was the problem? Okay, well, the problem is, and you can jot this down, it was most, but not all of them. Okay, you guys tracking with me? It was most, but not all of them. In the early church, guys, 
those, basically, there were a group of people who taught a combination of God's grace and human effort, and they were called Judaizers. So Paul now has to deal with some Judaizers. And you go, what are Judaizers? Let me hear you say that. What are Judaizers? These were so-called believers who insisted that we had to keep the law as well. Okay? The word Judaizer comes from the Greek verb meaning to live according to Jewish customs. So you had a group of people who heard the message, the gospel, (gasps) responded, but then said, okay, but we should also keep the law. Okay, if you want to be super spiritual, Amanda, you need to keep the law as well. And and so Paul's going to deal with them, okay? And what they try to do, Becky, is they try to marry the law with the gospel, with the gospel of grace, okay? Now, I tell you this because I want you to keep this in mind as we go through chapter 3, okay? Because as a matter of fact, check this out. The apostle Paul actually had to confront... Peter, Peter, about his hypocrisy in this sense. And it's one thing, like, like, like Paul was an apostle born out of due time, right? He, he was on the road to Damascus, but Peter was with Jesus. Peter learned from the master. I'm not going to call out Peter. Peter was with the, he's the inner circle, man. Yeah, Peter had his problems, but no, 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 no. But, but Paul had to. Check it out, guys. Why? Because Peter, guys, was a believer trying to live according to the Jewish... Listen to this, okay? Making note, Galatians chapter 2, uh, verses 11 through 14. I'm going to read through the New Living Translation because it's it just, it just a little bit easier. But listen, it says, But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was wrong. When he first arrived, guess what? Peter ate with the Gentile believers. Peter's like, hey, y'all, let's eat. This is great. And he was, he was not imposing social distancing with the Gentile believers. He was hugging them. He was eating with them. Okay, you guys with me? This is Peter. Peter wants to win them. Okay. But afterward, When some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. Wow. He was afraid of the criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision, keeping the law. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy. And even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Do you guys see that? So Peter, Peter, Peter was like, hey, he's eating with the Gentiles. He's having a good time. And he's like, hey, dude, shake. and we're just having, and all of a sudden, some of the Jewish people came. And he's like, oh, I can't hang with you bros no more. I can't eat with you. I must walk in reverence over here with the, with the Jews. You see what he's saying? And, and so much so that people, wait, 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 wait. You're saying one thing, but you're acting a whole nother way. That is hypocrisy. And, 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 and the problem with hypocrisy is it tends to pull people. It tend, I mean, this is what he says. He says, as a result, think about it. The Jewish believers started to fall. Oh, well, we can't eat with the Gentiles either. 
I thought we were free. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. Well, I don't know. Maybe we need to keep the law. And, and, and he said, even Barnabas. <laughs> even Barnabas. So what does Paul say? He said, when I saw they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, since you, a Jew by birth, have disregarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? He confronted him. He said, bro, what are you doing? It's not right. You're causing people to stumble. You're causing people. That's what he's saying. You guys with me? Everybody, you guys with me so far? And listen, even today, guys, we still face the same kind of people. Right? There are people in our circles. There are people in our world. There are people in the church, guys, that believe, man, we're under God's grace, but you must still keep the law. You must keep the law. So much so that you'll, we can't have church on Sunday. We got to have it on Saturday. Or so much so that you have to be circumcised. Or so much so that we can't, you can't eat pork. Or so much so. I mean, all of this stuff. And so, and so they're under God's grace. And, and, and there's still people that do that today. And they'll say, the law doesn't save you, but in order to be a good follower of Jesus, you need to at least keep the Ten Commandments. Listen, I'm all for keeping the Ten Commandments. I'll tell you why. Because the ten, one of the commandments says don't murder, and I don't, want to, I don't want to murder anybody, and I don't want anybody to murder me. I think it's a good commandment, don't you think? But that's not going to save me. That's not going to save me. Well, in our study today, guys, many in Corinth, well, they were dazed and they were confused about Paul's message. Okay, they heard the good news. They heard how they could be set free. But now the Judaizers are going, yeah, but see, now you've got to do this and you've got to do this and you've got to do this and you've got to do this. And so they're dazed and confused. They're like, what? What? And the problem is, is they couldn't grasp or understand God's grace. Now, let me just throw this out there. Do you know anybody like that who can't understand God's grace? In one area, I've, I've met with a fellow that said, man, I'm under God's grace and I can do anything I want to do and I can live any way I want to live and God has to let me, give me access into heaven because I'm under his grace and I think he misunderstood God's grace. And then I've met other people on this side of the fence who go, oh man, I can't just get out of line because God might. I'm under God, you know, and, 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 and it's like, no, 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 here's what God, listen. My, my Jesus took a beating on the cross. He took a beating before the cross so he could set us free so that we're, we're not under the law, but we're under grace. But when we truly understand grace is when we're really set free. When, when we really under... And, and here's the people. They didn't understand that. And I get it. I get it. Okay? So what do they do? Well, these guys were questioning his authority. They were questioning his integrity. And by doing that, listen to me, here's what they did. They began to put shackles or bondage on the gospel of grace. On the gospel of grace. By questioning Paul. So Paul's going, no, 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 I've got I've to talk to you. 
So what does Paul do? I love Paul's heart. I love Paul's heart. Why? What does he do? Because he reminds us, guys, in this chapter, he reminds them and he reminds us, what's that? That the gospel of grace is superior to the law. That's what he's going to do. So in verses 1 through 3, guys, instead of a letter of recommendation or Paul validate your ministry, Paul says, you guys were, you're our validation, okay? Now, before we get into this, let me just kind of break this up. This, this chapter is broken down into three points, okay? If you're taking note, jot this down. Number one, I'm going to just kind of use them in the present tense or the applicational tense. In verses one through three, here's what I want you to write down. We are living epistles of God's grace. We are living epistles of God's grace. Or epistles is another, uh, letters. We are living letters of God's grace. That's what we're going to see. In verses 4 through 6, we're going to see what Jesus has done for us. We're going to feel a little bit more weight of the gospel message in what Jesus has done. And then in verses 7 through 18, we'll look at that next week. The way Paul preaches, guys, is he'll give you the principle, he'll give you the lesson, and then he'll illustrate it with the rest of the message. And so verses 7 through 18, he's going to illustrate what he just taught us. And so we'll come back next week and we'll talk about that. So let's talk about living epistles. Look at verse 1 of chapter 3. Paul writes, do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or do we need as some other epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendations from you? Good question, Paul. He says, you are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men, clearly You are an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. Okay, your attention, please. The church is going, Paul, we want proof of of who you are. We want some validation. We we, we want some letters. We want to know who recommends you. Where have you taught before? And Paul says, okay, okay, hold on. You want proof? He says, listen, 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 hold on. He says, go look in the mirror. You want proof? Go look in the mirror. He goes, what do you mean go look in the mirror? He says, listen, listen, if you want proof, as people take a good look, guys, he's saying, listen, you're my proof. You're my proof. As people take a good look at your life, Paul says, only then can you see that our ministry is from the Lord. The only letter of recommendation we need is yourselves. Why? He says, your lives are a letter written in our hearts that everyone can read and recognize Our good work among you. I love what Paul says. I love that. Why? Because think about what Paul is saying. He pointing out, he says, listen, listen, church. He says, you, your life, the way you live your life, the way you behave, the way you love speaks volumes of the gospel of grace. That's what he's saying. Think about this, guys. Think about this. People are reading your life. 
And that's all the validation we need, he says. Think about this. Paul goes to Corinth, Acts chapter 18, right? Plants a church, tells people about Jesus. That's all he does. He reasons in the synagogue, tells people about Jesus. People get saved, like really saved. Okay, what is salvation? It's a transformation from the inside out. It's not a transformation from the outside in. So they get saved, and now they're different. And so they go to work, and they go, so what happened to you? I got saved this weekend. What do you mean you got saved? What happened? I don't know. I gave my life to Jesus, and now I'm different. Now I'm different. How do you know you're different? Well, your Facebook posts are different. Your Instagram posts are different. You're really in love with Jesus. You're saturating yourself in the word of God. You love when God speaks to you. And it's like, wow, this is so cool. And you're different. And the people that you used to want to beat up, now you want to hug. The people that you wanted to punch in the nose, you're like, come here, I just love you. I I forgive you. And people go, what is wrong with you? You've gone loco. You go, no, it's Jesus. He's changed. Am I I right, anybody? I mean, it's different. You're different. That's what's happening here. And Paul says, guys, you want want proof of, of God in my ministry? Just look at yourself. Just look at look in the mirror, <laughs> right? And we look in the mirror and we go, man, you are different. How many times, guys, have we been hurt by somebody we really love and yet we still forgive? That's God. That's God. How many times have you felt spiritually like you felt like somebody's putting a chokehold on you with their foot, and, and then when you get up, you go, man, I still love you. I still love you. See, that's not human nature. What human nature is to do is to say, wait a minute, you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. You hurt me, I'm going to take you out. Nobody's ever going to do that to me again, but the Holy Spirit inside you is what validates God and Paul's ministry. He says, oh, I forgive you. You guys understand that, right? Because here, here, here's what's happening. Here's what's happening, guys. Um, Paul, in his walk, goes to tell people about Jesus. They take him out. They beat him to a bloody pulp, leave him for dead. He gets up, eyes swollen, blood everywhere. And he walks back in and he tells them more about Jesus. Now, who would do that? Only somebody who understands the gospel in the depth of the gospel. Because he knows this time on earth, okay, right here, this time on earth, this is all we have. Eternity is, is, is forever. The dash between your birthday and the day you say goodbye on the, the dash, this is all we have, guys. This is it. And Paul sees eternity and says, no, 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 listen, as much as I've got to tell you, I've got to tell you. And here's what I love. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, that's Paul. Paul's like, Paul's like super spiritual. Like Paul, this is the apostle Paul. But the same spirit that lived in Paul lives in us. And we should have that same heart. We should have the same heart. Okay. Okay. So what does that mean? First of all, let's be sensitive. Let's be sensitive to those around us to share the gospel. Just be sensitive. Lord, who do you want me to speak to today? Who do I need to say? It doesn't have to be a time of crisis. It doesn't have to be a COVID-19. Just, Lord, today, who should I share? Who should I share with God? Lord, help me to be sensitive. 
And as God leads you, then you're able to share. Let me tell you about, and, and just share your heart. Just share what Jesus has done for you. I don't know why we want to make it some big public thing. Just, just, just share. I was talking to Joe Mabry yesterday in my office, and I said, here's, here's our goal, Joe. Our goal is to tell as many people as we can about Jesus. That's what's our goal. I don't know how we got to get this message out there, but we got to get this message. We'll do it via airwaves. We'll do it. Um, we'll do it on podcast. We'll, I mean, but we've we've got to get this message out there. But here's what God does. But God goes, okay. But it's not just you, Ben. It's all y'all. And I'm going to mobilize my army by sending Adam over here and Tiffany over there and Lisa and blah blah blah. Everybody. And I say, okay, go tell people about Jesus. Tell them how much I love them. Tell them that 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 this is a really rough time right now, but it's far better to go through this with him than not with him. It's far better to have hope than not have hope. And so, and so this is what this is what he says. He says, you want proof. Now, here's the application. You guys ready? Here's the application. We, too, are living epistles. We, too. And and think about this. Many people are reading your life. Okay? Many people are reading. And, and, and they're watching us, especially at a time like this. Okay, see, they know you're a Christian. They know where you stand. They know your beliefs. And so what are they doing? They're not saying anything. They're just watching you. They're watching. You go, right, they're trying to read what's going on. And, and so I've got to ask the question, because this is the question that was asked to me. What are people reading? What are people reading? Now, let me just say this. If you're not a Christian, this is not for you. This message isn't for you, because Paul is saying, people are reading your life. As believers, you're reading your life. Now, after this message, if you go, Pastor, I've, I need to be a Christian. I need to be a believer. But right now, think about it. What are people reading? Okay? Let me say this. Are they reading this? Is your life, is it the gospel of grace through Jesus Christ? Do they see that? Do they see that in your eyes, in the way you talk? What are they reading when they see you? You go, well, what else? Are they reading, guys, an uncompromising word of God lived out every day? Pastor, you, you're making me feel like I have to be perfect. Never said anything about being perfect. What I'm saying is, is that every morning we get up and say, God, I don't want to compromise my walk with you. I don't want to compromise the word. Help me to live it out the best I can. And when we mess up, can I get an amen? amen. When we say the wrong thing, we can apologize and we can be humble and we can say, sweetie, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to say that. I don't know. Oh, I hate when I get in the flesh. Mm-mm. Please forgive me. That's what people are reading. Are they reading, guys? Well, let me say this. In a world that's gone crazy, are people reading a life full of faith? Peace? Joy? And love? 
Listen, you don't have to agree with COVID-19. You don't have to agree with a mask or not a mask. You don't have to, you don't have to agree with what, 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 what's being presented on the media. But as people read your life, are they seeing that you're full of faith? And then you have this underlying joy because you belong to Jesus. I mean, what are they reading? This is what Paul is saying. I was like, wow. Listen, this is what Jesus is. You go, what's that? He's all of these things. Listen, he is hope in a hopeless world. My Jesus is the prince of peace. And through his spirit, guys, we can have love and peace and joy and patience. And we can have all of these things. And he died so that I could live. Our lives, guys, are living letters telling the gospel story. Do you realize that? You know what? Don't we all love a good rags to riches story? That's us. I once was, but now. But now. Let's make sure this, guys. Okay, so remember Peter? Do you remember our boy Peter? Peter was saying one thing, but he lived. Paul had to call him out, right? Make sure that what we say, we live. That what we say, people go, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly it. I see that. I see that. That's what he's saying. I heard a story. I got convicted when I heard it. And here's why. It was about an employee, okay? Employee went to her boss and said, oh, by the way, I'm going to go ahead and put in my two-week notice. The boss said, wait a minute, you've been here six months. You're a model employee. Why are you quitting? What, what can I do? And she goes, oh, I, I, she goes, listen, I know what it's like to work for a Christian. I'm going to quit. I'm going to go work for someone, um, a Buddhist, and then I can see which God I'm going to follow. I was like, wow. I was like, whoa, you know what I mean? People are reading our lives. I mean, which God are they going to follow? So the question is, Paul, Paul says, man, what is our life? What are people reading in our lives? What are people reading in my life? Oh, I fall so short. Lord, help them to read the gospel of grace, the gospel of forgiveness, the gospel of reconciliation. It's your gospel, Lord. And I love what Paul's heart is, guys. He says, clearly, you guys are, are a letter, an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written, what does he say? Not by ink, guys, but by the spirit of the living God, not on tablets. What's he talking? He's referencing to what? The law, right? The Ten, uh, ten Commandments. He says, but on tablets of flesh. Where is that? In the heart. What's he talking about, the epistle of Christ? Well, if you're taking note, it's really simple. It's the Spirit's transforming work. It's the indwelling presence among the Corinthians function as recommendation from Christ. It's how we live. It's how we conduct ourselves 
at United, at Walmart, at our jobs. It's how we conduct ourselves when we go out in our front yard, whatever it might be. This is what he's saying. This is the epistle of Christ. And he says, now listen, it it, it was written not on tablets of stone, but tablets of flesh. Paul contrasts this tablets of stone as a reference to the law. You guys know that, Exodus 24. But this is a new covenant promised by who? Remember Jeremiah and Ezekiel? Christ did away with the old covenant of the law. And he brought in the new covenant of freedom. Now, he's going to illustrate this in verses 7 to 18. But in order to illustrate it, he needs to teach us the principle, which means our sufficiency comes from God. This is what he's going to say. In other words, what he says is, let me, let, let, let me remind you what Jesus really did for you. Now, here's why. Listen, I want each of you to walk out of here with a newfound love for Jesus. I want you to be so in love with him, so saturated with him. But in order for me to do that, you need to know the depths of what God did for you. You need to know what Jesus did. And so this is what Paul says. Paul says, look at verse 4. He says, and we have such trust through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as being from ourselves, But our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. Why, Paul? For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Do you realize? Now, when we first read that, we go, yeah, okay, cool, Paul. But but no, 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 let's dig deeper. Everybody dig deeper. Let's unpack this, because what Paul wrote, man, is going to change the way we think, the way we are. Paul says, now, I say this, exactly what we just read, okay? What's that? He says, because we have confidence in God through Christ. And he says, honestly, there is nothing we can claim about you that came from us. I love that. That's what he's saying. He's saying there's nothing that... that... Okay, let me take you on a little journey, okay? Let me take you on a little journey, okay? 16 years ago, 16 and a half years ago, Ben and Nathalie and his two girls pull up in a U-Haul to Lubbock, Texas, right? Now, here we come. First thing you know, Ben's a millionaire. Kim folks said, Ben, move away from there. Lubbock, Texas is the place you ought to be. So we moved to Lubbock, right? And we started this church with nobody, nada, zero, $200 in the bank. Hi, I'm Ben, starting Calvary Chapel. A What? No, have you, you heard of Calvary Chapel? I haven't heard of Calvary Chapel. Chuck Smith? Who's Chuck Smith? Oh, this is going to be tough. So we started this, right? In the clubhouse of the apartment building we were renting. And we began to just teach the Bible. And just teach the Bible. I remember going, Pastor Bill, this is hard. You know, a couple of years in, this is hard. No How many do you got? I think we got like 30 people. I don't know. This is hard. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. I thought, I thought I'd hang the dove and we'd have 200, 300, 400, 5,000 people. I mean, come on. Who's got 30 people? I count my wife twice.
but the ministry is valid because it's nothing that I've done. It's Jesus. Because when you hear the word of God and the Holy Spirit begins to move in your heart, you go, man, that's the place I need to go. That's the place I need to get fed. That's the place. And people come in here and they told me, Pastor Ben, you won't believe this. I have gotten, I have grown more in six months than I have in my whole life. And, and this is what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, listen, it's not a work of what I did. It's a work of what? It's a work of God's Holy Spirit. That's my validation. How do you know, Pastor Ben, how do you know your ministry is valid? You guys. And then I love what John says, because John says, man, you know what? I love when my children just just walk and in, in, in just in the Lord. I love it. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. But I do that as a pastor, guys. I love it when I see you ministering to each other. I love it when, you're, when, when you reach out to each other. I love that. Why? I can't take any credit. This is Paul saying, I can't take any credit. He says, I, I, I just shared Jesus, and the power of his Holy Spirit came in and moved in your heart. Honestly, there's nothing that, that we can claim that came from us. He says, it's all God. It was him who made us sufficient ministers of the new covenant. It was him. He says, not that the letter, not of the letter, guys, but of the spirit. And what does he say? He says, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Now, okay, the first thing we need to underline and understand is what Jesus did for us by bringing in the new covenant. We need to understand that, okay? You see, the new covenant, guys, is, was foretold by Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, jot this down, chapter 31 through 34, Jeremiah writes this, okay? Now remember, Jeremiah's Old Testament, he writes this, and he's talking about the new covenant. He says, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant I made with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is a covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord, that I will put my law in their minds and write, write it in their hearts, I will be their God, they will be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, their sin, I will remember no more. Do you understand that? The old covenant, we have to keep the law. We have to keep the ten, right? So we're going to take ten and we're going to make 613 of them. Okay, so let's keep that. Let's try to keep that. I can't even keep 10. Right? How do we know? Okay, so the Bible says that if you're guilty of one, you're guilty of all, right? So let me just say this. Let me see if you're guilty. Has any of you ever told a lie? And if you didn't raise your hand, you're lying right now. Okay, so just saying. You just broke. So if you broke one, you're guilty of all. Amen. So we, so we broke the commandment. Oh, that's old. That's old. So, 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 but the new covenant, he says, no, 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 listen, listen. The new covenant is basically, it's the gospel of grace. It's the gospel of grace. When I look down and I see Adam, I don't see Adam anymore. I see Jesus. When I look and see Tiffany, I don't see Tiffany. I see Jesus. Do you guys understand that? 
It's supernatural that you invite. You go, but Ben, I didn't do anything. I just remember feeling like I just needed, and I invited Jesus into my heart, and he changed my life, and that's all I know. That's all I know. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's exactly it. And then all of a sudden, what did you do? You began to walk. You guys remember that? You began to walk. Now, I wish I could say that when we began our walk, we were walking. How many of us fell in our walks? We started out, oh, right? And here's why. Here's why. How old is Jasper? Jasper, seven and a half months. In a few months, he's going to start to learn to walk. Okay? And Jasper's not going to get up and go, hey, mom, check this out. Watch this. Mm -mm." And he's just walking. You know what he's going to do? He's going to stand up. He's going to take a few steps, and he's going to fall. That's how we are in our walks, guys. We, we fell. But eventually what's going to happen is he's going to learn to walk, and he's going to learn, he's going to grow. And then one day he's going to learn to run, and it's going to be good. You see that? That's our walks. And some of us, some of us, we've fallen. Now, I can bet... Every penny I have in the world that mom and dad are not going to go, Jasper, you cannot, well, you fell down, forget it. You're never going to walk again. You just stay there. They're not going to do that. They love their child. You understand that. But that's what the devil does. The devil comes and goes, listen, you're never going to walk with God. Look at you. Just stay there. And he wants to keep us down. But the new covenant goes, no, 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 get up. I love you. I love you. Come on, let's walk. Let's walk. Okay, hold on. And what do we do? Dad, daddy, hold on. Dad, okay. And we walk, and we walk, and we walk, and we walk. And even sometimes, guys, as a grown-up, we fall. Sometimes we stumble. And you know what we should do as brothers and sisters? We should come and say, it's okay, come on. Yeah, but you don't understand, Ben. I've been walking with Jesus for, for, for 39 years. I've been walking with Jesus. for. That's okay. We still fall. Let's, come on. That's the gospel of grace. That's what he's saying, guys. He says, listen, I'm going to forgive their iniquity. I'm going to forgive their sin. And their sin, I'm not going to remember no more. Aren't you glad about that? In Matthew's gospel, chapter 26, verse 28, it says, For this is my blood, the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Can I get a good amen on that? That is like a, yes, my sins. My sins are gone. I've been set free. They're gone, guys. Listen. You go, what sins? You ready? Check this out. Okay? How many of you want your past sins forgiven? Nobody in here? <laughs> They're just like, nah, I'm good. I just... No, we want our past sins forgiven, right? Because nobody likes our past. We need to put our past behind us. You want your past? What about our present sins? Okay? I want those forgiven. But you know what he also forgives? Our future sins. How about that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gone. God, you guys don't, man, listen, I'm getting just, what do you call it? Chicken skin, goose pimples, whatever you want to call it, thinking about my sins are gone. My God, that's the greatest news I've ever heard. That's the greatest news I've ever heard. 
I can sleep tonight. Why? My sins are gone. Now, you may point out my flaws. Well, Ben, you didn't do this. You didn't do this. You did this. Yeah, that's true. But God says, their sins are gone. I don't have any guilt. Gone. Did you do everything right? I didn't do anything right. Okay, ready? True confession? I've made more mistakes as a believer than I did before I got saved. How sad is that? But my sins are forgiven. That's what he says. He says, listen, the new covenant. Okay, so where are you going to land? Where are you going to land? Are you going to land over here? Hey, you're under God's grace, but you need to keep the law. Or are you going to be, man, I'm new covenant. I'm under God's grace. And when I understand God's grace, that leads me to obedience. That leads me to a love relationship. That leads me to where I want to serve God all of my life. Why? He's the most important thing. He's not number one on my list. He is my list. I can't wait to see him. I can't wait to see him. Guys, you don't understand. I have preached him. I've preached him. Oh, don't you want to see Jeremiah? Don't you want to see Enoch? Don't you want to see Job? I'll see them later. I want to see my Jesus. I've been to Israel. I want to see him. Lord, this is where you are all. These are the streets you want. I want to see my Jesus. I want to be so saturated in the love of God. I just want to see my Jesus. You know, when we've been there 10,000 years, man, I'm still going to be worshiping Jesus. Listen, I'm, I, I love that, that I'm going to be reconciled with my loved ones. I'm super stoked that I get to see my dad again and my mom and all of that. I'm, amen? amen? But Jesus, but Jesus, Jesus shed his precious blood on the cross of Calvary so that our sins could be forgiven. so that we can live in peace in the midst of a pandemic. Don't let the devil rob you of your joy. Don't let fear... Guys, we have to barricade our doors because the enemy wants to come in and rob us of our joy, our peace, all of this stuff. He wants us to walk in fear. He wants us to be afraid of what September might hold. He wants us to be afraid of what November might hold. He wants us to be afraid of what tomorrow might hold. Mm-mm-mm. Listen, no. I'm going to saturate myself in Jesus. My God is sufficient. You ready? But Ben, what if you die? I'd rather die saturated in Jesus than not. I'd rather have the hope of Jesus than not. I'd rather just be, (sighs) but I can't stop living. Church, you can't stop living. God gave you a mouthpiece. He gave you a platform. It's time to herald the gospel. I used to stand on this pulpit and say, hey, guys, we're fourth quarter. We're fourth quarter. Almost time to go home. Listen, we're in overtime. Fourth quarter's done. We're in overtime. We've got a few seconds left. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? We're going to tell people. We're going to love our city, guys. Okay? We're going to love those who are, who are down it. We're going to love them back to life. We're going to do what Paul taught us to do. Okay? We're going to do what Paul taught us to do. Listen, 
Jesus died so that we can live in peace and we can have joy and so that we can long for home. This is the message of the gospel of grace. Now, here's what Paul, here's what Paul says. Listen, for the letter kills, what does that mean? For the letter kills. Now, the letter here, as he's talking about, it stands for the Mosaic law. Okay? It kills. Why? Because in and of itself, the law cannot give life. It cannot give life. The law was simply to make men conscious of sin. Listen to what Paul writes in Galatians real quick, okay? Because you go, well, what, ben, 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 what was the purpose of the law then? If the law doesn't give life, he says, then the law, he says in chapter 3, 21, the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For there had been a law which given which could have been given life, truly righteousness would have been given by the law. Amen, Paul. But the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. For before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law. For it says, kept for the faith in which we would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor. Okay, the Greek word is pedagogos. Our tutor, everybody say tutor. tutor, to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, new covenant, we are no longer under a tutor. Let me just illustrate it really, really quickly, okay? The law was your school bus. Your law would, you guys remember back in the day, you had to ride a school bus? Okay, I remember the school bus used to pick me up in front of my house, and I would come out the door and I'd get on the school bus and they'd take me to kindergarten and then as soon as kindergarten was over, I'd get on the school bus. I'd, that's, that's the tutor. That's the pedagogos. It's the school bus. What did it do? It, it took me to school. The law is our tutor, our pedagogos, our school bus that takes us to Christ. Why? Because it makes us realize I can't keep the law. I can't keep the law. No matter how hard I try, he says, but now the new covenant come. He goes, listen, listen, but after faith has come, what are we doing? We're putting our faith and trust in Jesus, right? He says, we are no longer under the tutor. Once we came to faith, we go, I don't need to get on the school bus anymore. Anybody? Anybody? You know what I'm talking about? We don't need to get on the school bus no more. We're, 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 we're free, right? So what happens? When I was in kindergarten and I didn't want to go to kindergarten, okay, I used to hide. We had this big picture window in my, in my house. We used to, I used to hide and I would just do this, okay? I don't know if they saw it or not. Beep, beep. Beep, beep. The school bus never came for me. That's what I would say. You know what I'm saying? Now that I've come to the Christ, the Lord, beep, beep, school. I said, I don't need it. I'm already free. I don't need to go anymore. Because I'm by faith. Now, next week, next week, guys, you don't want to miss this because Paul's going to finish up by, by illustrating what he taught us. And it's so good. And it's so good that I, couldn't, I didn't have the time to just to, to dig into it. So I said, I'll have to break it up into two weeks. So next week, we're going to cover verses 7 through 18. But let me close. Let me close with some stuff we can take home, okay? Let's, let's close, okay? The first thing, 
First and foremost, guys, what really hit my heart is to remember that we're living epistles. We're living letters. What are people reading in your life? When you speak to them, when you talk to them, are are your eyes filled with grace and and love and, and forgiveness and mercy for people? You know what? Sometimes I get really super bummed at myself because there's times when I get in the flesh and I and I go, man, what are people reading? What are people reading? Let me see if I can bring it home. Our, our city council, they were, they were trying to decide whether we should all wear masks or not. And, and some of us said, well, I'm not going to wear a mask. Nobody can make me wear a mask. And then I started to think. I said, okay, Lord, here, here's the thing. I'm not a mask guy. I don't know if you are or not. It's okay. I'm not. I'm not. But I thought, what are people reading? If this means that I have to put on a mask to go into the bank... I'll do that because I want to honor what God tells me to honor. I want to honor my elected officials. I mean, I have to wear it all day. Uh, but, but, Lord, what do people say? Well, you're the pastor. Yeah, okay. So I want, I want to represent you well, Lord. I want to represent you well. I don't want to wear a mask. I don't want to wear a face covering. But if I have to, you know what? I want a message on the face mask that shares the gospel. What, what am I going to do, right? What am I going to So, So here's the question, guys. In our eyes, as we grow older, as we grow tireder, are people seeing grace? What are they reading? Those of you watching at home, what are people reading in your life? Because... You are the living epistles. You are the living letters of God's grace. And I love that because I once was, but that's not me anymore. That's not me. I truly understand. Oh, okay. Okay. I want to make sure that people are reading the truth of God's word by the way I live. By the way, I love. You know where it starts? It starts in my home. How am I loving my wife? How am I loving my kids? I want to see that. Guys, we're not under the law, but to bring glory to God, I believe we have to live a life that's pleasing to the king. We're not under the law. That's not going to judge me by the law, but I want to represent him well. I wrote in my notes here that, um, listen, this, this is written for Christians. And, and if you're not a Christian, then really, I'm sorry, this is not for you. This is only for the faithful followers of Christ. But what I love about this is that, is that I always use the word yet. Oh, well, he's not a Christian yet. Oh, well, he's not a believer. And I say yet. 
because that was me at 17. I wasn't a believer yet. And then God got a hold of me, man. He radically changed my life. Radically. Oh, it's so good. You go, what's the second point? The second point, guys, is here's what I want you to do, okay? I want you to fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus, for he has done great things. Understand the gospel. Understand what he did. And if God sent his very best for you, then we should at least give him our very best back. That's what we should do. Just fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus. Oh, man, think about the new covenant. My sins, gone. Peace, I got. I got joy. Wow. This is so cool. What did it cost? Cost him everything. Guys, there's my Jesus on the cross looking at you saying, it is finished. It is finished. And he reconciles us back to him. So what does that mean? When you love Jesus with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, it can't but help come to come out. It can't. It, I mean, you're going to be oozing Jesus everywhere. Oh, excuse me, you're leaking Jesus. Amen. <laughs> right? Oh, sorry. That's, that's my Jesus. Sorry. Yeah. And everybody's like, wow. I want, to, I want to ooze Jesus everywhere. I know that sounds silly, but that's what I want. I want. Don't forget to come back next week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. We have great two applicational points. Lord, I never want to leave a meeting, God, without giving people an opportunity to accept you. This is the most important thing. I don't want anybody to leave earth without you. And so I pray your Holy Spirit would move. It's a work of your spirit. It's supernaturally, it's called born again. And so what I would ask, with every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anyone here or watching online that would say, Pastor, you were saying some things and some bells were going off, but I got to be honest with you, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Not like you were saying. And Lord, I pray you speak to them. And so maybe you're here today. And, and if you were to be honest with me, you would say, Ben, I feel like I'm I'm a million miles away from God. I feel like I'm oceans away. If you're here and you feel like you're oceans away from God right now, I want you to know that you're also one decision from coming back to him. But nobody can make you do it. It's got to be a work of you. And you go, well, Ben, what do I need to do? Well, here's the gospel. The gospel says if you'll open up your heart and you'll, you'll just invite him, if you'll confess, if you'll repent of your sins, man, he's got his arms wide open. He's calling you home right now. Well, what do I have to do? Well, listen, first of all, let's acknowledge, man, I need him. That's the first thing. 
So in a second, I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand and say, Pastor, will you pray for me? I, I need Jesus. I, I, I want him in my heart. I want my sins forgiven, my past, my present, my future sins. I want to live a life of peace and joy. And I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I want Jesus. If you want that, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Those of you watching online, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Before we go into this last worship song, if you are a Christian in here, will you just pray? Will you just pray that God would just move in the hearts of those watching and even here? There might be somebody here who doesn't know you. With every eye closed and every head bowed, is there anyone here that says, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I would like to be saved. I want my sins forgiven. I'm ready to fall. I'm ready to come home. I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus. If that's you and God has been speaking to your heart, will you just lift up your hand right now? Nobody's going to see you. I'll see you. But God's going to move in your heart. Would you just do that? Would you say, Pastor, pray for me? I want Jesus. If you're ready to come back to God and to fall in love with Jesus, if you're not a Christian but you want to be, just lift up your hand. Say, Pastor, pray for me. Oh, God bless you, sister. Anyone else? Anyone else? Any of you watching online, all you can do, I can't see you, but just lift up your hand and say, pray for me. Father, I pray for those whose hands are lifted high, high to you, not to me, but to you. And I pray, God, that you would begin to speak to them. Lord, your word says, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, we'll be saved. So I offer this prayer. And will you repeat after me, Lord Jesus. I believe in you. I believe you are the son of God who died for my sins, who rose again and are sitting at the right hand of the Father. I believe and I I know I'm a sinner and I repent of my sins. I'm going to turn from them. I need your help, Lord. I can't do it alone. And I'm asking you to come into my heart and forgive me. I'm asking you to be my Lord, to be my God, to be my Savior, and to be my friend. I choose this day to follow you, Jesus, for forever I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you prayed that prayer or anything similar to that, we believe that you're born again, and we, we want to walk. We've got a Bible. We have a Bible study guide. We want to help you. We want to help you with your walk. That's really what we're here for, okay? So, hey, man, drop us, drop us a line via Facebook. Say, hey, I gave my life to the Lord, and uh, well, we'll respond. We'll get, you, we'll get you some information out in the mail to you as soon as possible, man. We love you. We love you. We love you. God bless you guys. See you next week. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. 
Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.